Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Pat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Just got this email, wanted to share it with you. Uh, It's from Karen, who says, Hi, Kat and Jethro. Super excited to be number one in that thing in the middle, box 242, a lie your ex said. It's actually pretty timely, since I was just going to send you this message. I came out of a pretty horrible marriage in 2009. Getting out was only the first step, though. He took my son. I spent two years and every dime I had fighting to get him back. I also found that my credit was in ruins because he had taken a bunch of things out in my name and not paid the bill. Uh, Anyway, fast forward to 2019. I'd put myself through school, changed careers, kiddos in high school, things going relatively well. I went to your Charlotte show in October with friends. And uh, seated right next to us was a fellow freak, Jennifer, and her husband. We got chatting before the show, and she mentioned that she's a realtor in the area, and I got her card. My son was a senior this year, and now about to go to college, so I decided to get out of the town he had grown up in and had so many bad memories for me. Downsize a bit, buy my own forever home. I spoke to several realtors, but when I had lunch with Jennifer, we just clicked. We had so much in common that I knew the Freak family brought us together for a reason. We had a ball looking at houses, both good and bad. We can chat on the phone for hours. When I finally found my forever home, she handled all the bumps along the way and talked me down from the panic ledge multiple times (laughs) without wavering from her calm and positive demeanor. I know we will be friends for life. And then she says, if it, if it weren't for you guys bringing all these like-minded people together, I would never have found this house, made it through the process, or found an amazing friend for life. Please understand how something as simple as a podcast for weird people can change so many lives. And then she says she's going to fly her freak flag outside her new house. And she sent a picture of it. It's quite lovely. I've zoomed in on the address. Expect us for dinner. <laughs> 
Oh, that makes me feel really nice. Don't you love stories like that? See, that's the thing about this podcast and this community is it's not about us. It's about you guys and how amazing it is that this community has kind of cropped up. Everyone's just so kind and sweet. And uh, like you see it on the Freaks page on Facebook all the time. People are just so willing to help each other and build each other up. And it's just such an incredible thing to be a part of. The Freak family definitely has uh, taken on a life of its own and we could be more excited about that although i'm pretty darn excited about today's topic that i have for you please uh what is it that you have for me well although they did not die and come back from the grave a strange sickness is causing children in some regions of africa to behave much like we see the zombies behaving in the walking dead (gasps) is it cell phones no because i've heard a lot of older people say that that's what's happening (laughs) (laughs) no it's called nodding disease and it seems to only attack children like n-o-d-d-i-n-g yeah okay yeah they suffer from seizures they wander off aimlessly and in several cases for unknown reasons they will just start random fires and burn buildings down whoa (laughs) yeah yeah In an effort to control the afflicted children and to contain the damage, a lot of parents are resorting to tying their children down. And uh, many times that results in a pretty horrific scene. Their young ones begin snarling and spitting and biting at the ropes, trying to chew their way through the ropes to escape, almost like rabies or something. Wow. But it's not rabies. That sounds terrible. According to Wikipedia, nodding disease first emerged in Sudan in uh, the late 50s and early 60s. It is a mentally and physically disabling disease that only affects children, typically between the ages of 3 and 19. It's currently restricted to small regions in South Sudan, Tunisia, and northern Uganda, where there was a major outbreak there in uh, the year 2012. So children affected by nodding disease experience a complete and permanent stunting of growth. It affects the growth of the brain, which leads to uh, mental issues. The disease is named for the pathological nodding that these children do. They go into a seizure and they often begin to just kind of nod their head back and forth, kind of rocking back and forth. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. You kind of zipped right past this. So when the a kid gets this, there's no like cure where they would continue to grow. No. They're just they will they'll not grow anymore. Not only that, they will start to recede as far as um, mental growth goes. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. So it deteriorates the brain function. Yes. as well wow yeah this sounds terrifying it's kind of like in in doing some um, autopsies on these uh, afflicted children they've discovered that the brain looks much like um, the brain of an older person like who, is, who suffers from alzheimer's or even parkinson's disease whoa we'll talk more about that in a minute okay These seizures are weird because they begin usually one of two things children start to eat or they feel cold those two things will trigger these nodding seizures. Well, you have to eat. It's important for... Well, here's the weird thing. When they stop eating, the seizures stop. Or when they warm up, the seizures stop. And in some severe cases, just looking at food 
the children will go into a seizure. Just looking at it, if they're presented with food, oftentimes they will start nodding very rapidly. A child nearby could also suddenly go into a uh, a seizure just by watching another child go into a seizure who just saw food. Oh, so it's like a chain reaction situation. It can be. It's like a yawn. Only a seizure. Yeah. A nearby child could suddenly go into a tonic-clonic seizure, while others will sometimes just freeze up. Now, you're probably wondering what a tonic-clonic seizure is. You know I am. (laughs) It's commonly known as a grand mal seizure. Because it sounds like a terrible combination of something that happens with your butt and that you mix with gin. Yeah, well, it's not not far from that. What? It's a generalized (laughs) seizure that produces... How can it be not far from that? It produces bilateral, convulsive, tonic, and clonic muscle contractions. Seizures that are more severe can cause the child to collapse, which leads to further injury. It's even been found that those children who, when they are presented with food, who go into a um, a seizure, a nodding seizure, Mm -hmm. if they're presented with a non-traditional food, they do not. So if you were to like trick them into eating and they didn't know it was food, they would be okay. It's not the actual like consumption of food and the food uh, triggering like digestion and stuff. It's not that. It's It's the mental part of like seeing and and knowing food. Yeah. Wow. It's really weird. I know. It is super weird. You know what this reminds me of? What? Is those uh, like those wasps that take over the the other wasps. The the zombie wasps. Yeah. The crypt keepers. Yeah. Yeah. Chocolate is not a a well-known food in this area. And when they would present these children with chocolate bars, they did not react because they didn't recognize it as a food. Wow. Weird. Well, then they should give them like Pringles or something because that's not. (laughs) Will you stop beating up on Pringles? Just saying. Jesus. I love my potato-like paste in chip form. Thank you. A recent BBC article talks about the disease's first discovery. The Wapagoro tribe lives in uh, the Mahangi Highlands in uh, Tanzania. For these people, there are a few things that are worse than what they call kifafa. Now, these people have survived in this area. It's, it's fairly isolated. They were there for hundreds of years, just going about their daily lives. It wasn't until uh, the late 1950s that a Norwegian doctor came to that area. She was fresh out of medical school. She was um, excited about setting up a clinic in this area. But as soon as she started seeing patients, she noticed some very peculiar things. Every single day, children as young as two would show up with uh, various injuries, mostly severe burns. There was a case where a little girl was rendered completely unrecognizable. Um, Many others had died from their wounds. The burns were often overlaid on webs of pink scars, which had built up over years of injuries. So this was baffling her. And it always seemed to be the youngest members of the tribe. It seemed to her very suspicious, obviously. Yeah. And, and when she would go to try to talk to the parents of the sick children, they would become very evasive and uncooperative, which heightened her of suspicions. Course, yeah. Every member of the Wapagoro tribe, they were afraid of what they called kifafa. Terrified's a better word. Tribal members would not even speak of it, except to say that the reason that these children were in these bad conditions was because of kifafa, which is a Swahili word meaning little death. So the burns and such, is that from when they would collapse due to the seizures? 
This is what she um, she discovered. It wasn't just burns, but a wide range of injuries and accidents, including fairly regular drownings. The same children also tended to have stunted growth, intellectual difficulties, often had an awkward gait, deadpan facial expressions. Uh, most strikingly, of course, was the head nodding. Mm. Then she discovered the common denominator, which was the seizure. All the injured children were experiencing seizures. So what's behind this deadly plague? Yeah. Well, to this day, nobody knows for sure. There are some theories, but we don't know for sure. Okay. I think that we're on the right track. A lot of medical experts think we're very close to zeroing in on it. But in the past, the illness was pretty much accepted to be a rare enigmatic form of epilepsy. But uh, now the latest research is hinting that it uh, might be a neurodegenerative disease which manifests it's a combination of epilepsy and other symptoms like like parkinson's and alzheimer's so is it like a genetic situation and that's why it's so localized is because they thought at first perhaps it was genetic but no it they they've determined that it is not hereditary so it's i mean that would lead me to believe that it was something environmental that was creating this pocket of kids who are suffering from this that's that is one of the areas that they are exploring Uh, as i mentioned before some of the brains of teenagers with this illness look remarkably similar to elderly patients with alzheimer's or parkinson's disease so what they're trying to do is kind of reverse engineer based on what they know about alzheimer's and parkinson's patients some of the things that they've observed according to pri.org morish okwanga nine years of age, and Angus Aquan, who is 15, they both have nodding disease, and they're noticeably more quiet and listless. Their father says they don't look so happy like normal children. They've changed so much. Sometimes they look like they're running mad. Um, Agnes and Morish's bodies are, are, are scrawny. They're undernourished because they, they can't they eat. They can't eat. Their seizures prevent them from, from eating. Now, is the stunted growth because they're not eating, or well, is it... it a combination of yes the okay they're fairly certain it is a combination of Got of, it. of malnourishment and uh and this particular affliction their father said he has taken them to see doctors innumerable times but they but given the enigmatic nature of the disease it hasn't done much good quote it's very frustrating because we are always going with them to the health centers and then the doctors come and get blood samples but unfortunately we do not get any help. Mm. They say there are no drugs to cure it. Nodding disease affects an estimated 4,000 children in northern Uganda and thousands more in South Sudan, according to the World Health Organization. There's a school there. It's uh, it's called Jupa Primary School. It's in the Bader District, and 59 out of 250 children have uh, have contracted the uh, the syndrome, according to the head teacher. He said, you'll find children vomiting. You'll find a lot of saliva coming from their mouth and a change in their eyes. It's as if somebody is struggling with death. There is nothing we can do except to make sure he or she does not get injured. He then called a seven-year-old Nancy into his office to stand beside him at his desk. And like uh, Angus and Morris, she is very quiet and devoid of expression. He said, this is a child who has the disease. You can see the eyes. You can see the mouth. You can see that she does not look normal. Jeez Louise. A CNN article interviewed the mother of two children who suffer, Pauline and uh, her brother Thomas. She said that Pauline at one time disappeared and she was gone for five days. They had no idea where she was. She just wandered off and 
was gone for nearly a week. That's the problem is that a lot of the deaths of these children are due to secondary uh, incidents. They'll wander right. off and then fall in a river and drown. Jeez, or the burns that we mentioned earlier, uh, they will be sitting around the family hearth or a, or a fire and they'll just collapse and fall into the fire. Jesus. So now this mother of Pauline and uh, Thomas who have nodding disease. She can't leave them alone, but she has to because she has to go tend the garden and yeah. provide for the family. So she takes them every day in her hut and she ties them up with a colorful fabric. Um, according to the witness in the CNN article, <clears throat> first she ties the legs to a wooden pole oh. and then their hands together like handcuffs. Thomas immediately starts growling and tears at the, uh, at the cloth with his teeth. Well, I mean, I wouldn't like being tied up either. Couldn't you just put them in a room like without stuff in it? I mean, I guess if you have a small hut, you don't have a lot. Probably of don't have a lot of it. a lot of options there. Yeah, that was a really fucking elitist bullshit thing to say. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. So here's what we know: the BBC reports. Uh, one thing that's clear is that it is it is not inherited, according to Peter Spencer, a neurologist at the Oregon Institute of Occupational Health Sciences. Okay. It appears in uh, 1997 in northern Uganda, peaks in the early 2000s, then disappears, and then it rises up again in uh, 2012. You can't explain it as a genetic disorder because it just doesn't fit that pattern. Yeah, because of the the ebbing and flowing. Wikipedia says it's believed to and this is kind of where they're going with this, an infestation of a parasitic worm which uh, is prevalent in all outbreak areas. A possible explanation involves the formation of antibodies against parasite antigen that are cross-reactive to Lyomodine 1 in the uh, hippocampus. In other words, the antibodies that it creates cross-reacts with stuff that's already in the body and causes, among other things, river blindness. Have you heard of this? No. So this parasite is spread by the black fly, and it causes river blindness, which is um, a parasitic reaction. In 2004, most children suffering from nodding disease live close to the uh, river, which was a hotbed for river blindness. 93.7% of nodding disease sufferers were found to harbor this parasite. So which, it is like the wasp thing. It kind of, but it might interact with uh, some kind of a pre-existing condition that oh. they have, and they're trying to, to nail that down. What we do know is that these parasites probably have something to do with it. I would be moving my family to the desert. The CDC is investigating a possible connection with also with wartime chemical exposure. Oh, geez. The team is also investigating whether a deficiency of vitamin B, uh, specifically B6, could be a cause, noting that this is a common deficiency in some epilepsy sufferers. Older theories include a 2002 toxicology report that postulated a connection with tainted monkey meat. Uh, oh. That is considered to be not a strong lead at this point. Okay. It looks at this point as though probably it's a combination of that parasitic worm spread by the black fly. Mm and some sort of pre-existing condition that these children have. They kind so of like work together. Work to, together. Yeah. It's like a perfect storm of Ooh. bullshit. I do not care for this. No, no. I left out the whole description of how the flies infect you, though. Would you like to hear it? Yes. Okay. Well, they, they bite your skin. Mm -hmm. Is it like the tsetse fly? Does it get in there? Lay its eggs? 
Yeah, it uh, it spits out a little like larvae that turn into worms, and these worms will go ahead and they'll build little mounds in the flesh, and yeah. they'll all live in in there yeah. and stuff. The end. <laughs> Great job. Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> yep. Worms. Ugh. Oh. Anyway. It's ongoing, but uh, they are making progress, and it seems as though that's probably, at this point, the most likely scenario. CDC and the World Health Organization are investigating. They don't see this as something that uh, they are concerned about spreading around the world. It seems to only be affecting a small region, which is why they think it's a combination of um, predisposition to parasitic infestation. Got it. Oof. No, thank you. And now, that thing in the middle. Today's thing in the middle, five bizarre lip gloss flavors. <laughs> Number five, wasabi. What? Who yeah. wants? That's the last thing I want to rub on my lips. Mm, my brain hurts. Number four, bacon. You knew that had to be in there. Obviously. Some, yeah. There's bacon everything now. There's bacon toilet paper. I saw bacon underwear the other day. Really? Yeah. Well, real bacon? I don't think it was real bacon, no. Well, I'm not interested. Then. I mean, do you want to put pork on your taint? No. <laughs> I don't think so. You mean me personally? <laughs> or generally speaking? Right. Would one want to put <laughs> pork on their taint? Oh, one probably would not. Number three, pickle. Oh my God. No. Number two, corn dog. That's right. Now your lips can smell like a country fair. I can kind of get on board with corn dog. <laughs> and number one, nacho. Nothing awful about that. This is nacho lip balm. Ha! It's my lip balm. <laughs> That's cheesy. <laughs> the Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. 
I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away and my daughter is expecting a child and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout and you will save thanks aura frames for bringing my family a little bit closer want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money well i've got the podcast for you i'm sean piles and i host nerd wallets smart money podcast on our show we help listeners like you make the most of your finances i sit down with nerd wallets team of nerds personal finance experts in credit cards banking investing and more we answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We couldn't help but notice you're standing a little too close. Back it up. Back up. Keep going. There. This is the Box of Oddities. Laurel sent us a message on Facebook, and I just have to share this. It's incredible. So, just heard your podcast on Baby Jessica. My mom and her boyfriend owned the company that finally got her out. No shit. So, his son was running the crew down there, and they couldn't figure out how to get her out, but they finally called her boyfriend here in New Mexico, and he knew how to drill correctly so that the hole wouldn't collapse on her. And we talked about how they had to drill the the kind of parallel yeah. hole, and then a cross hole and I feel like I'm saying hole a lot. Um, okay, so this is how they finally got her out, Laurel writes. Uh, he had to tell them exactly what to do. Wow. That's just so incredible and I love that we can share a story that's like, hey, have you heard of this? And someone can reach out and go, yeah, I've got kind of an inside track on that. Yeah. I Amazing! Was, I was there or I know somebody who was. You're right. That's incredible. Thank you so much for reaching out to us. You can always find us on any of the social meds and you can send us emails uh, when you know more about stuff than we do. Which is probably... Most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's about how to pronounce Chernobyl um, because we got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, curator at theboxofoddities.com. 
And what you got for me? Mm. Prepare your pork taint. <laughs> In 2001, Lonnie Feather and Michael Hunter crossed paths for a second time. So they had known each other 20 years earlier when she'd been a stained glass artist and he sold her the glass that she used for her art. They'd been friends, but they lost touch. Then in 2001, Michael reached out to Lonnie, called her up out of the blue, and they reconnected. They had a bunch of phone calls, things were going well, they were getting to know each other again, and eventually she invited him to drive his motorhome up from New Orleans and park it in her driveway in Portland, Oregon. Hmm. And they get to know each other a little bit better. Well, sure. Yeah, but it's still like his space, and I, I think that's a good idea. Like, don't just invite people to come stay at your house. Sorry. <laughs> You need a motorhome. <laughs> this is just Aunt Cat telling you, <laughs> don't invite strangers to your house. Okay. So according to the Portland Tribune, they started dating and things were going really well. She said they'd have a conflict and they'd be able to talk right through it. She recalled in an interview with the Tribune, I was thinking, this is great. This is the kind of boyfriend I want. He's really good to me. He bought me flowers and gifts. And eight months went by like that. Lonnie didn't know that there was a warrant out for his arrest. See, this that's the thing. Getting lots of gifts is a nice thing. Mm. And it could but but that can cut both ways. Either they're very generous and kind mm. or they're trying to mislead you and and make you think that there's something they're not. Right? Though sometimes gifts are nice. I'm just saying. I just don't want you to think that I have a warrant out for my arrest. <laughs> On October third, 2001. Lonnie was visiting her loan officer. Um, she had him pull up a credit report and she discovered that she had 14 credit cards owing roughly $30,000 that she knew nothing about. Oh my God. So yeah, the gifts that Michael had bought her were with her money. And it sounds with like... With credit cards that he took out in her name. I was going to say money that she didn't have. Good Lord. And she knew that she had always been really careful with her money. She knew that this wasn't something that, you know, he had done with the idea like, oh yeah, this is okay with her. Even though when she got home, he tried to convince her that they had discussed this and she was just forgetting that she had okayed 14 credit cards to be opened in her name. Was one of those credit cards from Gaslight much? <laughs> Bank and trust? <laughs> so obviously it's ridiculous. She asked to see the credit card statements and he went out to the motorhome. Uh, this is according to an article by Anne-Marie DeStefano of the Portland Tribune. When he returned to the house, he choked Lonnie into unconsciousness. Oh, good Lord. When I came to, she said... He said, I think you're not feeling very well. And I knew I was in trouble then. I knew it was serious. So she tried to get up and get to her studio where she knew that people were working. It was just yards away. She knew there were people, but she didn't get there. And Hunter pulled out a gun that he'd retrieved from the RV and shot her twice, no. point blank. No. This is according to GorillaCool.com. He then dragged Lonnie to the couch, put a pillow over her head, and shot twice more. Oh, my God. Three bullets hit Lonnie in the head. The first entered her cheek, shattering her left jaw, and traveled through her neck to clip the top of her vertebrae. 
The second skimmed the top of her head. The third entered and exited the back of her skull, leaving multiple fractures. Oh, my God. Somehow, Lonnie is alive. She said, I knew that I couldn't get up and run away from there. She had a really heavy sensation around her head. She couldn't hear very well. There was just this vibrating, buzzing sound. In that very violent moment, she said, I made a clear decision. First, to live. Then, secondly, I decided that the only way for me to survive was to outwit him. With three bullets in her head. Yeah. Sort of. Some had had left. So a figure of speech. Right. I calmed myself, she said. I knew I had to stay smart in order to survive and that somewhere he was going to make a mistake. So she played dead. She was on the sofa where he had left her and she stayed slumped trying to move as little as possible and trying to stay conscious. Uh, She knew that she had to stay alert and aware of her surroundings. Otherwise, this wasn't going to work. Four hours go by. He's playing video games and uh, working on the computer, apparently waiting for darkness to come so that he could move her body in the dark. All right. After four hours, she heard a knock at the front door. Michael got up to go answer the door. And she recalls, I think I hear him step out. So I reached for the phone. I dial 911. I said, I've been shot in the head. I gave my address and I hung up. And then she went back to laying on the couch, oh my slumped God. as she had what been. What a beast. What a fucking beast. I'm reading this and I have goosebumps right now. Like, I love this bitch. So when Michael comes back inside, unfortunately, the dispatcher was concerned that she'd hung up. So he called back. Mm. Trying to get through on the phone, Michael answered the phone and tried to convince them that nothing was wrong. So he hangs up, and at this point, two things are happening. Hunter realized that Lonnie was not dead, Mm -hmm. and the the police had been notified. So then it became a hostage situation. The neighborhood was cordoned off, and the house was surrounded by police pretty quickly. Feather knew that help was nearby because she could see bright lights shining into the house, but she didn't know what that would mean for her. I mean, obviously, this guy seemed great until he wasn't. And obviously, uh, he snapped with a, a fierceness that she just couldn't even fathom. So she she knew that this was not a great situation. But she also knew that he thought that his only way out at this point was for her to be alive. Right. So that gave her some hope. It gave her some hope. Plus, sure. it's hard to make a getaway in a motor home. <laughs> Truth. I know we had a hard enough time just getting gas. (laughs) Yeah, truth again. So, for three more hours, Lonnie is held hostage. It's been seven hours since she was shot three times in the head. And finally, somehow, Michael gave himself up. The police were able to talk him into, listen, you're not going to get away. That shitter's full and you're not going anywhere. (laughs) He allowed paramedics to come and get Lonnie. So finally, after, you know, being shot in the head, pretending to be dead, 
being part of a hostage situation, she was allowed to go to the hospital. And she ended up staying there for nine days. You know, three bullets to the head, nine days. That seems about right. Was she shot in other parts of her body, too? Because it sounds like he just kind of opened fire on her. He fired four times, uh, one missed, and three got her in the head. Oh, my God. Yeah. She recuperated, for the most part, at her mother's house, which is also in Portland, Oregon. And during that time, her family, sweet, loving, kind family, uh, went to her house, packed everything up, and brought it to her mom's house because they assumed that that was a terrible place now that she wouldn't want to live. Right. But she said that she made two decisions while she was in the hospital. One that was that she was not going to feel shame about this. She said, this had nothing to do with me and it wasn't my fault. And this is not how I was going to live. Two was that I was going back to my home. He was not going to take anything more from me. Well done, madam. This woman, I swear. So, unfortunately, her family had to, like, bring all of her stuff back to (laughs) her house. (laughs) Because she was like, oh, no, that's my house. And I love the the idea that there were several points in this story where she she had the resolve and she she made the decision. Like, one, I'm not going to die. Two, I'm going to outsmart him. Three, I'm not going to feel bad about this. This weren't my doing. Four. I'm not leaving my house. (laughs) She's just like, I am making a list and you aren't winning. That's great. Michael Hunter was charged with kidnapping and assault with a deadly weapon. He reached a plea agreement and is currently serving a mandatory 15 years in the Oregon penitentiary. As part of his plea... At the conclusion of his time in Oregon, he will serve 20 years in the state of Texas for crimes of fraud, which were committed prior to this attack, which is stuff that she didn't know had happened before he came to stay in her driveway. Oh, my God. Texas doesn't have a mandatory time served rule, and so he will probably receive time off for good behavior and early parole, which I don't think should be a thing. I think if you're sentenced to a certain amount of time, it shouldn't be like, oh, never mind. You were nice in jail. (laughs) Like, what's the point of a sentence? (laughs) It's just a suggestion. I mean, I yes, I believe there are too many people in jails right now, and private jails are a problem anyway, but that's something we're not getting into right now. So according to Oregon Public Broadcasting, Feather has a scar on her cheek, obviously, uh, from when she was shot through the jaw, and she can have plastic surgery to remove that. But during the interview, she reached up to touch it, and she said that that is a reminder of who she is and that she survived. She more than survived. She laughed about it and said that she couldn't be any happier living with her black cat called Kitty, creating and selling her art. Wow. What a story. Another inspiration. I love her. And you should see some of her art. It's great. I mean, that's unrelated. And I'm I'm not like trying to sell you her art or anything, but you could check it out. I think I will. Thank you, madam. I mean, it's obviously the product of an incredible woman. So whatevs, yo. Oh, also, she's featured on an episode of I Survived. So you can check that out. Thanks a lot, you guys, for uh, hanging out with us. Special thanks to those of you who are uh, supporting the Box of Oddities. Yeah, I noticed someone uh, tipped us in our tip jar on Himalaya. Oh, that's nice. Like, it was like four ninety nine, and that's amazing. Oh. And I was like, I thought to myself, hey, I can buy some Beyond Burgers with that. <laughs> I was like really excited. <laughs> oh, also, uh, we got the tallies in, and uh, big thanks to everyone who purchased the 
Pride shirt during the month of June, we were able to donate to the Trevor Foundation. If you want to become a member of the Order of Freaks and to support the Box of Oddities, you can find all the information at our website, theboxofoddities.com. For your contribution, you receive ad-free episode. You get it a day early. You get access to the back channel which is direct contact with us in a bonus episode once a month. And the bonus episode this month is going to be dropping really soon, so now's a good time to get in on that business. Theboxofoddities.com Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Okay. Yeah, it just scared the shit out of me. That's all. Oh, okay. People don't knock on the door often. I know. I know. It's weird. <laughs> I'm broken. Oh. Okay. All right. Mm. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend, the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books. As I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.